Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. So we have been going through a series that we've called The Way, and we are looking at the way of Jesus. We finished uh, the book of Acts a couple months ago, talking about the birth of the early church. And in the book of Acts, the term the way is used very often to talk about followers of Jesus. The word Christian is not really used in the Bible, but the way is to talk about Christians. So we're talking about the way of Jesus. Now, the way that we practice living in the way of Jesus is by, uh, what is it? Being with Jesus, learning from Jesus, and living like Jesus. So the past couple weeks, we've been talking about being with Jesus. So my goal for this evening in my talk is to talk about being with Jesus, okay? Is being with Jesus. I think oftentimes when we think about being with Jesus, we actually think about doing for Jesus. We think about reading scripture, we think about praying, we think about going to church, we think about uh, doing nice things for a friend, we think about all of these things in a way to be with Jesus, but it oftentimes looks more like doing for Jesus rather than being with Jesus. Now, all of those things are fantastic things that we should be doing then, but we need to learn how we can just be with Jesus. So that's my goal. Hopefully, I accomplish it in the next 15 or 20 minutes. If not, uh, you can write a bad Yelp review of the factory um, if we have, have Yelp. So I'm going to be reading from uh, the, the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Uh, so it'll be on the screen, and I'm going to read it. Okay? Oh, yeah. Ready to read? Oh, yeah. Put on your reading hats, everybody. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Everyone say, the Sabbath. And his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means... Now, Jesus quotes the book of Hosea here. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Verse 9. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said, what man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more value is a man than a sheep? How much? 
double. Therefore, it, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against Jesus that they might destroy him. Mood. Lord God, I thank you so much for this evening. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for an incredible time of worship that we could sing. Lord, what a special uh, moment just being together, singing your praises, and, and just being in your presence. Lord, I pray that as we spend time in your word and in your presence tonight, Lord, that you'd be speaking to us. Lord, I pray that, that my voice, even with the microphone, won't be the loudest in the room, Lord, but you will be speaking Lord, I want to hear from you. I want your voice to speak this evening. I pray that it would. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Um, there's a famous artist named Vincent Van Gogh, if you guys have ever heard of him. It's like indie. Now, Vincent Van Gogh uh, is famous for being kind of the token tortured artist. He, like, fell in love with a girl and was, like, head over heels and, like, chopped off his ear, and, like, did the whole thing, you know, that when you have a crush on someone, you just start going crazy. And uh, so Van Gogh is, like, the, this, this tortured artist. And he's famous for, uh, among many others, but his most famous uh, pieces of art is the, the self-portrait, the scream, and uh, Starry Night. Now, he had about 900 pieces that he painted in just the short 10 years that he painted. All of this I got off the Internet. Uh, after his untimely death at age 37, the price of his artwork skyrocketed, just like went up. He's one of the many artists who were not very famous in their day, but once they passed away, uh, all their pieces were discovered and the prices of them are incredibly high. And one of his pieces has an interesting story of its own. It's a piece called Poppy Flowers, and I have a picture of it. It's uh, a painting of yellow poppy flowers with three red poppy blooms in a dark uh, vase with a dark background. That is how it's described on Wikipedia. So this is poppy flowers, a very famous Van Gogh painting. It's a small uh, oil on canvas painting by the late great Vincent Van Gogh and it is held in the Mohammed Khalil Museum in Egypt and it has been stolen from the walls of that museum two times in its life. In 1977, the, the poppy flowers was taken off the walls of the Muhammad Khalil and, and gone, presumed to be gone forever. And just a couple short months later, it was found in an undisclosed location in Kuwait. Okay, So it was re returned, and they brought it back to the same museum. So now the, the poppy flowers is put back in the frame and hung back on its walls where it should be forever. But in 2010... A couple people walk into the Muhammad Khalil on, a, on a, a slow day with just 10 visitors. A group of people take a couch, scoot the couch up against the wall, climb on top of the couch, take out scissors, cut out poppy flowers of its frame, rolls it up, puts it in their pocket, and exits out the exit. Poppy flowers has not been discovered again to this day. Poor poppy flowers. In 2010, it was taken and it has not been discovered. On a day with only 10 people that visited uh, the museum, 
43 security cameras on the walls, but only seven of them were actually turned on that day. Nobody has any leads of what happened to Vincent Van Gogh's painting, Poppy Flowers. It's tragic, isn't it? These, these people, they had all of the security, they had all the thing, and they just, they just couldn't figure it out. Now, there's, that's just one story of many stories of famous lost pieces of artwork. But this evening, I would like to talk about the lost art of the way. My message title is The Lost Art of the Way. Now, in our life, we live in a very busy culture, don't we? A culture that is fixated on progression or getting better. There is like this this thing that in five years, I don't want to be anything like the person I was five years ago. There's this constant need for improvement. When you're in middle school, somebody asks you what high school you're going to go to. Then when you're in high school, people ask you what college you're going to go to. Then when you're in college, people ask you what job you're going to get when you graduate. Then you get a job and people are asking you when you're going to get married. And then you get married and people are going to ask you when you have a kid. And then your baby is five days old at church and someone says, you're going to have another one? And then... (laughs) And then you buy a house and, and someone says to you, oh, well, that's not your forever home. You need a bigger one. So when are you going to get a bigger house? And we live in this constant uh, fixation of improvement and progression. That's kind of the way of, of the world. Is like you just need to keep grinding, keep hustling, keep getting better because nobody wants to be the same tomorrow as they were today. That is the culture that we live in. And it's easy for that mentality to get into uh, us living out the way of Jesus or into our Christian life. That we are constantly needing to improve in our walk with Jesus. We're constantly needing to feel like we are closer. We are constantly needing to feel like when we pray, we need to like reference scripture or like we need to have all the answers. And sometimes when we're sitting and thinking about or looking at other people that are further along than you in your relationship with God, and be like, oh, there's so much that I need to do. There's so much that I need to learn. This person knows all, like Scarlett, just off the top of her head, just knows all these scriptures. And I'm like, I don't know any, like, I think John 3.16 is like a a good one, but I can't remember what it said. Like Tim Tebow didn't actually tell me what it said. He just wrote it on his eye black. And so we feel like, does anyone know? Never mind. Um, That we feel like we constantly need to progress and go deeper and grow. And, And in a way we do, but that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be with Jesus being with Jesus. Now, the lost art of the way, that what I'm calling the lost art of the way, is what is called the Sabbath. Jesus, we, we read a story of what Jesus did on the Sabbath, but before we, we look at really what all happened, let's talk about the Sabbath. Does anybody ever heard of what the Sabbath is? The Sabbath? Okay. So the Sabbath, or the Hebrew word that is Shabbat, everyone say Shabbat, On Shabbat, you say Shabbat Shalom. Everyone say Shabbat Shalom. shalom. Now, the Greek word is the word Sabbath, and the English has kind of stolen the the Greek word because uh, Americans or English people have no idea of even this concept, really. Now, Sabbath, what it is, it means a time of rest. And God in the garden actually demonstrated what the Sabbath was. We know the story of G... Or, excuse me... 
In the New Testament, we tell that Jesus created everything, but that's beside God in the garden. Uh, he created everything. Let there be light. He creates all this, everything in the water, everything in the sky, the earth, light, darkness, everything. In six days, on the sixth day, hum- humans are created. Humanity is created. And on the seventh day, God looks at his creation. He says that it is good. And is, who knows what God did? He rested. Yes. <laughs> he was arrested. No. God rested on the seventh day. It's interesting. Now, humanity was created on day six, and God rested on day seven. The first day of human existence was this Sabbath rest with God in creation. This relationship with God in his creation. The way that God always intended humans to be is with God resting in his creation. Now, as we know that sin enters the world and, and everything goes awry, and now later on, the people of Israel are in bondage to Egyptians. They're slaves in Egypt. Uh, God raises up a man named Moses to deliver them out of bondage and to lead them through the wilderness. Now, in the wilderness, uh, where there is no food, God is supplying for the Israelites food. Okay? He sends something that is called manna. Everyone say manna. Manna is a food that God bakes in heaven and sends down to earth. Okay? It, it's on the ground in the morning. And God tells them, for six days, go out in the morning, take the manna, and eat it. That is your food for the day. Don't hold any of the manna for the next day because I will supply for you on the next day. Except on the sixth day. Grab double portions on the sixth day, for on the seventh day you are to rest. Okay, so there we see this, this Sabbath rest again, not uh, instructed, not in law, but just uh, given to the people. Now, when Moses goes on a Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments, everyone following me? Yeah. Uh, all right. Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God, and in the Ten Commandments, he gets this law, a law from God. Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is with you in your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. So here, God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses, and he says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, do work on six days, but the seventh day you are to rest with God. And he says why? He says, because God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. Now we are to rest, to be with God in creation the way that God designed humanity to do it. Okay? You following me? Now, as the story goes, Moses receives the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the Ten Commandments here. I mean, that's insane. The, the tablets, what? And like, don't murder anyone? We're like, okay, we won't. And it's like the Ten, Com- Ten Commandments. In it, the Sabbath. Now, Moses receives the Sabbath or the Ten Commandments in Exodus, but in Deuteronomy, we actually get the story of Moses vocalizing 
the, the law of God to the Israelites. So Moses gets it, and we hear about the law. Then in Deuteronomy, Moses tells his people, God's people, about the law. And it says this, Deuteronomy 5, 14 through 15. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your ox nor your donkey nor your cattle nor your stranger who is with you in the gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. They said it twice. And remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand. And by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, here, and if you look at the story of the Old Testament, God demonstrated the Sabbath in the garden. He told his people to Sabbath in the wilderness. He wrote it on tablets of stone in the Ten Commandments as to have this relationship that was designed in the garden and to remember that relationship. Then, when Moses tells his people, he says, Keep the Sabbath. Make it holy. Remember it. Don't forget it. Because when you don't forget it, it's as if you are leaving Egypt again. Because we live in this world, like I said, that is focused on progression and working and striving and being. But what God is saying is if you rest with me, all of that work, all of that striving goes away because you are enough. Through creation, we can be with God or through the story of creation, we can be with God resting in his creation. In the wilderness, we, we see that we can be thankful for what we have. And through the story of Egypt, we can see that we can be content in who we are. So in those stories, in the resting of Sabbath, we can see that we can be in relationship with God in creation. We can be thankful for what we have, and we can be tent, content in who we are. There's no working there is no striving. There is simply being with Jesus. That's what the Sabbath was designed for. The Sabbath was a gift from God that on, for six days you work and you grind and you hustle and you're out in the fields and you're out at school. And on the seventh day, we rest so that we can be with God, be thankful, and be content. That is the design of Sabbath. Now, like all things in the Bible, the design is so much better than the way that it happens, right? We see like, God's chosen people, you've been delivered from Egypt, and then they're like, I don't want to eat manna anymore. You know, that's the story. That's like God's, and God's like, all right. And like you read Judges, and they're like, all right, I got you. And then they're like, I don't like you anymore, God. And he's like, whatever. And that's kind of the way that it happens. Quickly, the Sabbath that was a gift to God's people turned into something that it was not designed for. Now, in the world and the culture that Jesus walks into here in Matthew chapter 12, we see that they live in a world that has completely lost the meaning of Sabbath. They live in a world that has 43 security cameras that are supposed to be looking after this thing, but they forget to turn them all on and someone walks in and takes it and leaves. They have all these rules that are built around the Sabbath that they can remember it and they can keep it holy and they completely forget the intent of the Sabbath. They start creating rules like no lighting candles on the Sabbath, no cooking on the Sabbath, no walking too far on the Sabbath. There's uh, Jewish people still keep the Sabbath and they've had to add no driving 
on the Sabbath, as the car has been invented. Uh, They're they required to be at the synagogue on a certain time. There are all these certain sacrifices they needed to make on the Sabbath. You can't walk more than a mile on the Sabbath. Nobody works except for the religious people, which is counterintuitive. So there is this culture that it was, it was, they're following the Sabbath, they remember the Sabbath, but they have completely overprotected the Sabbath. Therefore, they have lost the value of the Sabbath. So Jesus here, we read this story. This is hilarious. Jesus is walking in the, in the grain fields. His disciples are grabbing the, the, the food, and they're eating it. And the religious leaders, they're doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. They're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And then Jesus is like, what, what do you mean? Do you not remember the day where David was hungry and he ate the showbread in the temple that was not lawful for him to eat, but he did it anyways? And everyone's like, yeah, but he's the king. You know what I mean? Now, Jesus, in this story... He is pointing out that, that hum, human need is greater than religious um, requirements. He's pointing out human need. You're hungry, eat on the Sabbath, is greater than the hum, or religious requirements. Now, in this, this world, it is overly protected of the Sabbath. They have all these rules to do it, but they're not actually entering into the rest that the Sabbath is designed to give. So Jesus, if we look at the same story in, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus at the end of the, the story where he talks about the showbread, he says this to the relig- religious leaders. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus kind of pokes these guys and says, hey, you've lost the, the meaning of Sabbath rest. Humans were not created solely to keep the Sabbath. Like, you're not going to die if you work on the Sabbath, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, but the Sabbath was created for man. This rest was created for man. Now, we live in a world that has totally neglected the idea of Sabbath. In fact, we live in in a time where people are overworking themselves more than ever. People are working, uh, on on average, people are working about 10-hour days. Not many people are having full days off, especially uh, with the influx of people working from home. Uh, People are working like four hours a day on their day off. That's like almost a full shift. Like they're working half of a, of a normal nine-to-five shift on their day off, responding to emails or doing uh, conference calls or whatever it is that you do. I, I can't do conference haircuts, so I'm just like chilling on my day off. But people are, are working. Uh, factory or labor workers, on average, work seven days a week with 60-hour work week, weeks. Even on days off in American People average about four hours of work, four hours of chores, four hours of social media, and two hours of shopping and purchasing things. That's the average American day off. And then throw in a little bit of TV and sitting on the couch to call rest. People have completely neglected the idea of rest in our culture. Jesus, what he is saying to these people, they have built these boxes and parameters around the Sabbath, but they're not actually getting to it because it's so protected. They're not actually resting with God 
being in his creation, being thankful for what they have, and being content in who they are. Instead, they are just like, okay, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to walk. Like, one, two, three, how many steps have I taken? Oh, no. I'm like half a mile away or like three quarters of a mile away from the house and I can't get back. It's the Sabbath. Like that's kind of the way that they're living. Now we live in a world that just does not rest. We're restless. We're just always doing something. We're always thinking about doing something. We're always planning something. Even on vacations, it's like grinding. You guys ever gone on a vacation and get home and just like been more tired than when you left? Because it was so jam-packed with activities and things and you're like, man, I need a vacation for my vacation. It's kind of the world that we live in. But we are called, I'm getting to the point of the Bible study, okay? You guys are like, man, you've just said a lot of words. Like, why are you still talking? I'm getting to it. We are called to enter into this Sabbath rest with Jesus. I'm going to call the the worship team back up here. And is, is Scarlett still in here? Can you come up and play keys? Yeah. Thank you. Worship team, you guys can come up. (laughs) We're playing gyra and C. The papers are there. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing gyra. Is that cool if we do gyra? Jesus says this in Matthew 11. It's the section right before the section that we looked at in Matthew 12. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We, as Christians, have kind of forsaken the Sabbath, and, and, and I'm, I'll explain. It is in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath. It's in the Ten Commandments. Like, the Ten... If I, as like a, a, a leader in the church, and as like a, one of the youth leaders, if I were to break any of the Ten Commandments, I'd probably get fired if I murdered someone if I started committing adultery, if I, if I was, was cheating on Julianne, like all of these things, if I started totally dishonoring my parents and being super gnarly to them, like I would probably ask to not come back. But the Sabbath, it's kind of good for me not to take a Sabbath, like to work extra and to do more, right? But the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments. Jesus says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. It says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest in me. We have kind of neglected the Sabbath in a way because Jesus says, come to me at any moment and you can find rest. I had this long quote. I don't think I'm going to read it. Should I read it? It's long. All right. All right. Humans have a large focus on space and time. However, space is usually the hero, where time is the villain. Possessions, positions, places all fall into the space category. Time is something that we see to stand in our way. Time is too short, too rushed. We do this for too long and can't do that for long enough. 
we fail to recognize the eternity-ness of time. God not only occupies space, but rules over time. There is a spiritual connection to time. Life goes wrong when our control of space overshadows our desire to be in time. Other religions have holy places, temples, mountains, sculptures, but what God made holy was time, a day, a day that he rested, thus making it holy. For six days we fall under the tyranny of space, but on the seventh we rest in the beauty of time. what, What Jesus is saying is that we fall onto his rest when we give God our time. Now, we can do that. The beauty of this is that we can find Sabbath rest or Shabbat rest in Jesus at any moment. But it is in the heart of God, demonstrated in the Old Testament, that God desires for us to give him a day, a day of Sabbath. About a year ago, Julianne and I, when we were feeling overworked and overwhelmed and I was anxious beyond belief and just, just depressed and, and just stressed and like every est thing that you could imagine and just, just so like all I could think about was getting this done so I could get there and do that and then I finished this so I can get there and do that and just overworked and just like my life was only doing. I didn't even be. Like uh, a pastor that I recently heard said, we're called human beings, not human doings. Like we are called to, to be, and I was never being. So Mondays, Julianne and I decided, is going to be our Sabbath. We're giving God a whole day. Now, it's not super legalistic. We're not counting our steps. We cook and we eat and we, we walk through and eat, eat fruit, but... We, we read scripture. We have time together as a family. I love to read books, so we read books. Sit outside in God's creation. We do life-giving activities like surfing and gardening and walking and play catch. And we, we have a good meal. I like to eat meals outside at restaurants. I, I order something delicious. We have a midday nap in the bed with Sid all together as a family. We spend time with our friends and family. Our day is centered around Jesus, being with him and being content in what we have, who we are, and helping us to let go of our burdens and give them to Jesus. That's the idea of the Sabbath. God loves you. You're his chosen people. You don't need to do. You don't need to strive. You don't need to work. You can just be. The things that we stay away from, we don't like to shop on Sabbath because we have enough. What God has given us is enough on Sabbath. We, we stay away from TVs and phones and movies and the news all the time. We don't like being stuck inside on the Sabbath because we want to look at God's creation. A couple weeks ago, we went to the Fort Pierce Marina and I sat there and looked at the fish in the marina for like two and a half hours. It was amazing. And we don't like to have a schedule. A couple weeks ago, I, I was upset because we, we had too many fun things planned. I was like, no, we, we got to be looser. We got to be looser. Now, I'm going super long. I'm sorry. We're going to sing eventually. But I designed what I thought would be a perfect Sabbath rubric that you guys can take and you can work with and you can find Sabbath rest for a day with Jesus. I thought as a student, it'd be nice to do it on a Sunday. Okay? But it has to start earlier than Sunday. 
because you have to free up your Sunday. Julianne and I, on Mondays, we treat it like a holiday. We go grocery shopping, we clean the house on, on Sundays, we prepare the house, we, we like make sure we have enough things for Sid, like because like, we're not going grocery shopping, we're not doing this, we're, we're being together, we're doing life-giving stuff. So finish your homework, your weekend homework, finish it on Saturday, whoa. Like if you have a project due that Monday, like try to get it before Sunday. Like try to clear up your Sunday. Wake up early, go to church, be with God's people, spend time with your godly friends so that you can focus on being with Jesus, have good conversations with those people. Maybe as, as crass as this may sound, you have all week to hang out with people that, that aren't influencing you for Jesus. On, on Sundays or on Sabbath, say, hey, I'm spending time with godly people. Do fun activities that aren't stressful or costly. Go to the park, have a picnic, go to the beach. Don't spend money. Just be together. Be with people. Talk about Jesus. Bring a book. Read fiction. Read Dune before you go see the movie. Put your phone down and be present. We'll never be able to be present with Jesus at every moment if we are never present physically. Put your phone down. Focus on conversation. Make time to read scripture and to pause. Do something creative. Sing, dance, paint, write, take photos, whatever. The Sabbath rest that we find in Jesus needs to be practiced. God desires a day. We don't need to give him a day. This isn't legalistic. You're not going to hell if you don't keep the Sabbath. But it's in the heart of God to have a day spending time with his children. And we need to give him that. So as we leave, my goal was to equip you with being with Jesus. Let's not, let's not try to do for Jesus. Let's be with Jesus. Let's be his children. He's proud of you. He loves you. He chose you. Cho yeah, he adopted you. He, he supplies for you. Appreciate what you have. Be with him in relationship. Be content in who you are. And in that, we will rediscover the lost art of the way.